they are certainly being marketed now to everyone and anyone. Um, so if you want to find out what your blood glucose are, it's a decent way to say, okay, um, how am I responding to food or am I stressed or so forth? So it, it gives you interesting data. And um, I think, but at the same time, I think we got to take it into context, meaning <clears throat> it isn't everything, just like a scale, like getting on a scale isn't going to give you every metric of what your health is. Paying attention to a CGM is also not giving you every health metric. Welcome to the Weight Loss for Women podcast, a place where we share everything you need to know about restoring your metabolism so you can eat more, train less, and lose weight in a healthy and sustainable way. I'm Kitty Bluefield, co-founder of New Strength and Saturated, creator of pro-metabolic food supplements and seriously saturated skincare. And today I've got our friend Kate Deering on the podcast who's sort of making me laugh while I'm doing the introduction like Craig does when I do it because yeah. his name bloody spiel every time. Yeah. It's very fast that you're doing it too. So it's making me, you know, like, ah, I've heard this before. I've been very important. Kate's been on the podcast heaps. So go back and, you know, start from the beginning and listen to all their podcasts. They're really great and covered so many topics. She also is the author of How to Heal Your Metabolism, which is a great book. You can buy it in French. You can hard copy it. You can listen to it. Listen. It's not, you didn't speak it, did you? The audio. You didn't. Someone else. I didn't. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, trying to read the whole book. <laughs> you know, uh, I just, I like to hire professionals. Yeah. Yeah. So go get a book. It's great. She's actually working on a new book, which is exciting. Which it is. That will be out. Yeah. I, I, I hope it'll be done by the end of the year. I was, I was just telling Kitty I worked on it all weekend. <clears throat> and uh, and, I, and I, I tend to overgive. Like, and I write so specific and way too much. And so it's met with my like editor to only tell me to tear it all apart, <laughs> do less and bluff and all these things, which, you know, can be a little bit frustrating, but you know, there, there you go. Why you have these people. That's yeah. right. That's right. That's right. So yeah. So today we are talking about continuous blood glucose monitors, C- CGMs out there. The short that is yeah the cgm yeah yeah people just using them and then i've had a bit of i didn't use the monitor but i've just you know we did the experiment um with the little they use that pen broker yeah yeah look on a submitter yeah like a few days and sent the results to uh to kate um and kate's used them too so anyway so should you use a continuous glucose monitor kate what we're going right into a question that get right into it I think that depends. Um, depends on the individual. I think that they're a great tool. Like I love, and I have a love hate with CGMs, and I because I like data, and I know you like data, um, and I think they can give you some really interesting data. I think you need to learn to interpret what that data means, and and understand what your body is telling you if you start having irregular blood glucose markers, um, because just putting a C so kind of let's pull it back a little bit about like what these things actually do. If you don't know what a CGM is, that is a mechanism that you stick to your body that basically measures your glucose about every five minutes and it does a readout into your phone that you can see um, how your body is responding to food or stress or whatever. It's going to basically show you what your blood glucose is doing all day long. And they're certainly helpful for somebody who's a diabetic or even a pre-diabetic. 
they are certainly being marketed now to everyone and anyone. Um, so if you want to find out what your blood glucose are, it's a decent way to say, okay, um, how am I responding to food or am I stressed or so forth? So it, it gives you interesting data. And um, I think, but at the same time, I think we got to take it into context, meaning <clears throat> it isn't everything, just like a scale, like getting on a scale isn't going to give you every metric of what your health is. Paying attention to a CGM is also not giving you every health metric. And so one of the reasons I kind of wanted to talk about them is because, because they are being marketed to every individual. They have calibrations on there or they have recommendations on there that actually aren't what normal blood sugar levels are, what, what we're being told are normal blood sugar levels. So a normal blood sugar level would be, and I think you guys measure it differently in Australia, um, but here in the States, uh, like a fasting blood glucose would be from 70 to 99 milligrams per deciliter. Whereas AU or Australia, UK is like 3.9 to 5.5 uh, moles per liter. So you guys are moles per liter. We are milligrams per deciliter. And that would be fasting. And then the recommended is that your blood sugar shouldn't get above about 140, at least two hours post meal in the United States and about 7.8 in Australia. Um, so those would be considered normal blood sugar levels. And, and in a CGM, they're basically, they have normal between about 72 um, uh, milligrams per deciliter all the way up to 110. So they, they, they tell you to not get above 110, which is quite low. And for somebody to not be able to get above 110, you are not going to be able to eat a lot of carbohydrates. Um, because for the most part, carbs are usually going to pull you up above that number. So... My worry is if you start putting a CGM on you and you kind of stay within their parameters that you might definitely be limiting the amount of carbohydrates you're ingesting in your diet, which could lead to all sorts of other issues kind of down the road. Mm. Mm. Um, I think if, so what does their data say? Has it ever been proven that lower than normal blood sugar levels are more optimal? Not utilizing a CGM, meaning with normal people, we haven't been monitoring them long enough to actually see if keeping these blood sugar levels that low continually for long periods of time is meaningful and keeps them, you know, living longer. The 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 tests or the studies that we have done are and that, that actually prove that these blood sugar levels are lower. Our our tests, you know, if you read the studies, it's like, hey, okay, we have a group of people, we're going to test their blood sugar levels. And we're going to figure out what those are. And then we're going to see who's alive in 22 years, right? So they have one marker or some of them have two or three markers. And then they just look in about 20 plus years and see who died. And based on that, they'll be like, well, the ones that ever had the initially lower blood sugar levels, they have, they're, they're living longer than the ones that might've had the initially higher uh, markers. So from that's the data. They're saying, well, the people that had much lower fasting blood glucose levels, they had a higher chance of being alive after 22 years. So and that's very much of a correlational link. I mean, I don't think that's great data. And that's kind of the, you know, when you read like, well, where are they getting these numbers from? Like, why do they think, you know, that these are the optimal blood sugar level numbers? And so the, like I said, the studies they're referencing are more that, hey, we have a group and then we, we 
follow them for 10 years. And then that time period, we might do one or maybe two or three tests. And then we assess who's alive at that point in time or what kind of health markers they have. And from those studies, they'll say, well, people that are traditionally lower have better health markers at you know the 10 or 20 year point. But there's so many other variables that could occur in that time period that could have a response. The other part of it is, is you know why are their blood sugars elevated? Um, because it's not just the food that you're consuming. It can be all sorts of other things that be creating these elevated blood sugar markers. So that's the part that they don't have a conversation with. And so we, we use these kind of data points to say, well, this is optimal without some context of understanding why your body might have you know, increased levels of blood sugar, and it might not be that you just need to eat a no-carb diet or a low-carb diet, then then we might be making choices that aren't the best for your health. Maybe just, a, I'm just thinking about people who are like, I don't even understand what this whole like blood sugar thing is. Can you just take a step back? And so like what happens? Like, so you eat some food. Okay. Yeah. So, okay. yeah. Mm-hmm. So you eat food, right? Specifically carbohydrates, because they are going to impact your blood sugar the most because they are going to break out into, into glucose, right? So glucose is just like sugar in your blood. And that when your body eat, consumes carbohydrates and breaks it down into sugar, it's going to elevate your blood sugar. And that's going to have an insulinic response. And insulin is also going to rise to get the blood sugar out of your blood and into your cell. That's this response. Certainly having a high carbohydrate meal is going to impact your blood sugar more than a piece of meat. Um, Protein is going to have a very moderate or or very low impact on blood sugar. And so is fat. Um, Carbohydrates are going to have your biggest impact. And so depending on, again, if you eat a lot of carbohydrates, so once it's usually going to impact it to a higher degree. If you eat more like liquid-based carbohydrates because they're going to get into your system really quickly, that's also going to impact your your blood sugar quicker. Um, if you usually combine your foods with more protein, fats, and carbohydrates, that usually slows down how fast that carbohydrates gets into your blood. But not always, and it depends on the individual. So you can have a meal that has all the protein, fat, and carbs in it and still have a poor response if your body is already in a stressed place. So it all depends on your physiology, how you're going to respond to carbohydrates. And it's not necessarily, right? What we have to remember is carbohydrates don't create the, the, a poor response to carbohydrates, mm-hmm. right? It's usually stress, fat in the blood, um, endotoxemia, uh, nutrient deficiencies, there's always some underlying reason why someone stops or starts to respond poorly to glucose. And it's not just because of the carbohydrates. It's another reason that, that, that there's going on in the system. And that's why you're responding poorly. So um, could like cortisol affect it? Absolutely. Right. Which when, and, and primarily because when you have elevations in the stress hormones, so we see this when you look at people that have the dawn phenomenon, which is when you have uh, high blood sugar in the morning, they wake up with high blood sugar. And that's essentially happening is their body's going through some sort of stress response. And as the body gets like does this over long periods of time, what starts happening with that stress response, right? We have adrenaline and then cortisol uh, elevate and they start A, breaking down or first they probably start getting glycogen out of the liver or out of the muscles, whatever, to regulate your blood sugar. And then they start breaking down tissue and then they also start breaking down fat to 
dump that into your blood or your body's needing fuel. The problem with that is when you start getting that excessive amount of uh, stress hormones going and you dump a lot of fat and a lot of sugar into the blood, then there's some level of competition that starts to happen there. And the blood is start, or assuming the fat in the blood starts to inhibit the sugar from getting into the cell. And so you start to see those fasting um, blood sugar levels starting to elevate. And that's your own blood sugar. That's not from your food. You know, usually if you follow those people, and that's why wearing a, a CGM can be interesting, you see that they they go to bed and they might have some normal blood sugar levels, but somewhere through the night, the body starts going through that stress response and it starts elevating cortisol, adrenaline, and that some tissue starts to break down and all of a sudden their blood sugar starts to rise because their body just cannot get that sugar into the cell. Whether, again, it's some sort of insulinic response, the insulin is not working at that point. Maybe they have some sort of level of insulin resistance. We don't know kind of probably what the mechanism is unless you measure their insulin. But ultimately, yeah, they can't. They're going through a stress response in the morning. And as somebody starts to get more glucose intolerant, you're going to start to see higher and higher morning blood sugar levels to the point where, you know, you, you can measure it. And if I think in the U.S., if it's above 126 in the morning, um, then they would be diagnosed as diabetic. Mm. And it's interesting. Remember, I messaged you saying like the one night that is shit sleep, it was higher. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And and I and I think I told you so, you know, after my little book ordeal and then uh then I was told that I had to tear everything apart. Then I spent the next five or six hours last night sitting in front of my computer, not eating because I needed to get it done. And then realizing at about eight thirty I had not eaten and I was buzzing from sitting in front of that computer for so long. So at that point in time, I'm like, I already knew it. I'm like, I am not gonna sleep well tonight. I'm sitting in front of this computer. I haven't eaten enough all day. And I didn't, I didn't yeah. sleep. And yeah, I, my 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 blood sugars have been higher all day today because I can, didn't sleep good last night, stressed myself out all day. <laughs> and I, you know that response, right? And now I don't, I definitely don't feel like I need less carbohydrates. I actually feel like I kind of need more. Yeah, And so my body's kind of responding, but I, I went through a massive stress response last night, right? And that happens to people. And think about it. I mean, this is just one bad night. One bad night, you can have a poor response. And, you know, I mean, one way to treat that is, yeah, sure, I can remove all carbohydrates from my diet. And yep, I will get my blood sugars to kind of flat live because I'm not having ingesting in, in anything. So the only thing I'm going to ingest is uh, some meat and some fat. Um, and certainly, yep that can correct that from just a testing standpoint. The problem with that is if you actually want to reintroduce carbohydrates, usually what's going to happen is you're going to start responding slower to those carbohydrates. So you see it in people that have gone keto or carnivore for some period of time, and then when they reintroduce carbohydrates, their blood sugars spike right back up, right? So they actually register pre-diabetic, their, their blood sugars start going so high. And in time, right, if there's not so, some sort of pathology going on in their system, usually they've just kind of adapted to not having a lot of carbohydrates. That can be corrected, and they will learn to adapt back to utilizing carbohydrates. But if it's coming from a system that is struggling or super stressed, um, that then there might be some sort of pathology going on. And so, yeah, they're just not going to respond to carbohydrates very well. And so you might have to fix whatever underlying issue is being created to have them be poor responders. Mm. Um, uh, and well, I can make guess you probably talked about, what are the benefits of using one? 
we talked about there any, yeah, the yeah. benefits. Yeah, there there are certainly benefits. So certainly, if you are diabetic and pre-diabetic, and you know, and I and I think even for healthy people, if you like to learn data and try to understand what's really happening when you eat certain foods, um, I think that they can show you good information. That you know they are. I I wouldn't suggest like wearing one indefinitely or for you know a there it's expensive to to have one of these and but I think also it can start creating some levels of eating disorders with people if they're like and I've seen this with clients that wear them they start freaking out if anything is above 110 you know they're like emails like oh my god it's two hours and I'm 115 like am I gonna die and I'm like no that's normal like you're not you're fine right but. The fact that you're getting so stressed about it is probably creating a worse response to that glucose monitor, right? So if if you think you might have blood sugar issues, right, and those usually come with you're eating carbohydrates and all of a sudden, you know, maybe you feel really hungry again in, a, in an hour or two and you've eaten a substantial amount of food and maybe you're getting a swing, um, you know, so you can, you know, if, or if you're getting like, you know, a swing or you in, a increase in blood sugar and then very quickly you feel like you're getting a drop, meaning a lot of insulin is being flushed in there and then you're going into some sort of hypoglycemia. Mm-hmm. That might be worth to get a CGM. I think it can be just as effective to get a glucose meter and just do a pinprick and test yourself, you know, in the morning and maybe one or even two hours post meal to see how your body's responding. Those can be good bits of information you know i always worry like i said with people that now they're going to have this thing attached to them all the time and they're going to start getting neurotic and and start making decisions like oh my god if i have that carbohydrate i'm going to spike i can't ever have that right and then they start creating decisions all on what this thing is saying versus like they're what do they like what do they enjoy what feels good to them do they need carbohydrates they're going to take that whole what their body's telling them and just make every decision based on what this CGM score is telling them. So that's pretty extreme. But, you know, we live in this weird extreme society right now that I could totally see that starting to happen. Yeah, it's so and this is sort of a side tangent because uh, you and Craig have been talking about various shit. <laughs> and it just, you know, you and him talking about like that what I like about you two, Kate and Emma, is it's like you look at the whole, look at their entire life and the system as a whole, rather than you know, like we talked about, um, you've got this like stress tolerance, like a level where you'll get to here and then something will tip you over the edge, and it's not that you need to make any massive drastic changes to your diet, it's just you need to pull back a few things and just reduce right. overall stress. And I think so many people will go down this rabbit hole thinking, oh my god, and they make all these drastic changes and they just don't really need to do that. Or they need to assess like, hey, what if you're really stressed and you feel like, oh, my, I feel like my blood sugar is all over the place when I'm really stressed out. Mm-hmm. And then you put a CGM on and then, yeah, then you eat some carbohydrates and you find out you have a really poor response to them. Mm-hmm. And it might not be that you don't need those, right? It might just mean that your body's stressed. And actually, if you eat your carbohydrates and kind of regulate them, then your body will feel less stressed, right? Mm-hmm. If you are finding that you're eating a bunch of carbohydrates and you're continually having blood or blood glucose response, and there is something else going on, right? And it could be that, well, maybe you don't need as much fat in that meal because sometimes too much fat in a carby meal, yep, that can inhibit sometimes your body's ability to utilize that glucose. Um, Yes, fat can kind of slow down, you know, from a digestive standpoint. If you eat food with kind of fat and protein, that will slow down how quickly those carbohydrates get into your blood. 
But once they're in your blood, if there's an excessive amount of fat in there, it can then inhibit them from getting in. So then your blood sugars kind of stay elevated for longer periods of time or get to a peak where you don't want them. So without that understanding and you're just plopping that thing on you, you and saying, oh my God, I'm stressed now. I'm eating carbs and that I'm having a poor response. So I'm just going to eat some fat and some meat now and I'll have a better response. And maybe that kind of works a little bit for a while, but I think long-term you're going to start seeing some other issues. And so that's why, you know, we got to take the whole picture and understand everything that could be affecting you, right? So other things that can affect your blood sugar besides the food you eat, you know, the winter months, like we will traditionally always have higher blood sugar levels in the winter. It's more stressful. Low vitamin D can affect your blood sugar. So if somebody has low vitamin D, they actually can have higher blood sugar levels. Uh, low thyroid can affect your blood sugar levels. Um, Stress, as we know, affects your blood sugar levels. And then on, on a, in a, in another level, of course, poor sleep, right? I already know that one. <laughs> um, but on, on another level, movement, it helps your blood sugar levels. Weight training and more muscle tissue and exercise can all help your blood sugar levels, you know, as long as that's a good exercise for you. So we know that just even eating and walking for 10 minutes post your, your meal can help regulate your blood sugar levels, right? So movement is always good um it's just sometimes you got to make sure that it's not too much for you but yeah you you should because that does definitely help using your large muscle groups will help bring down those blood sugar levels so kate what else can improve glucose mar markers besides from removing all carbs well having more muscle um making sure you're getting enough vitamin d so even if you can't get sun, sometimes even pulling up your vitamin D status with a vitamin D supplement can improve blood glucose markers. Uh, if you are over fat and maybe you have some level of fatty liver, because we know that's pretty common in today's world, then losing fat um, can definitely help your blood sugar markers. You know, decreasing fatty liver or decreasing fat around the organs will all will all improve your your blood glucose markers. So. That's usually why it's recommended for a lot of people that have diabetes or prediabetes to lose some weight. Um, that is helpful. And improving your gut health will improve your blood glucose monitors because we do know that having, or if you have any sort of endotoxemia, um, so if you have excessive amounts, which endotoxin is basically the toxins released from bacteria, and that occurs if you, you know, somebody's a lot of constipated or stress or you're not, you know, having good bowel movements, we can assume it's that you might have an increase of endotoxin into the blood system. And that alone can suppress cellular respiration. So that might inhibit the body's ability to utilize the fuel that's coming in. So a lot of times improving that and improving the gut health can all improve blood sugar markers. Cool. Um, is there anything else you want to add that we haven't discussed? Uh, and one supplement that I sometimes like to use is, uh, and we all know it as kind of a sleep supplement, and we know it's in things like collagen, is is glycine. So getting a good amount of glycine, 12 to 15 grams a day of glycine, so kind of dividing that up into your meals will help lower your blood sugar levels. So that's just a, a supplement that people can utilize with their meals to help bring those down. So um, where, Kate, would you get that from in food, just for people that don't know? Like what sort of food would you be eating? So 
collagen, gelatin, bone broth. Yeah. So if you want to go that route, yes. And I think like a tablespoon of collagen will give you about three grams of glycine. So if you're doing a good about a good amount of collagen, then you can um, use that as your glycine source. If you want to just, I mean, we know that glycine is kind of sweet. So sometimes if you just want to add it, you know, you can add another just glycine straight into a smoothie or with your juice or whatnot. And that can kind of help bring down your blood sugar levels. Mm. But other things that can help also is like niacinamide. That's been shown to help lower blood sugar levels. And um, aspirin has been shown. B1, because B1 is needed at a thymine, is needed at a high amount to metabolize carbohydrates. So that can also improve your blood sugar levels. Um, thyroid progesterone can all help with blood sugar levels. So there's a lot of different tools, but I think the the biggest thing that you should kind of walk away with is if you're choosing to utilize something like a CGM, it's a, it's a very powerful tool. It can give you a lot of information, but also know that, hey, it's not just your food that might be impacting your blood sugar levels and, and kind of pay attention to your stress and your sleep. And it is interesting. Like if you do have a really bad night's sleep, yes, notice what your blood sugar levels are the next day. And you might not, yeah, when you eat carbohydrates, although your system might need them to kind of pull itself down, initial responses can kind of go a little high. And that's kind of the same thing with people that have come from a restrictive diet or from a keto or carnivore diet, or they've just been really stressed out. When they start adding carbohydrates back in, they might not respond very well. And so they kind of need to either go really, really slow and see how their body is. And, and something I've noticed is sometimes those people, right, we, we do go slow with it. If they don't respond appropriately to small amounts, honestly, sometimes what works is flipping it and then going a lot higher carb, m much lower fat to see if they'll respond better and would kind of remove a lot of the fat out of the diet and see. And a lot of those times people do. And all of a sudden you can see much better sh uh, blood sugar markers after you lower their fat. So it, it, it would be interesting to kind of see all that because I've had post-carnivore people who wear CGMs and all of a sudden we, we take all the fat out and it just flatlines. It's like, well, that's really interesting. Yeah. So and Then after a period of time, they can have a bit more fat and it's good, fine. No, yeah. Their, their body just takes some time to adapt to it. But I think, you know, when they're, they're, there's not that fat in there, I think the, the insulin learns to respond a little bit quicker. And then it starts to get it out of them, right? But, you know, I've seen it on, like, influencers on social media that might be pushing a low-carbohydrate approach. And then they'll be like, okay, now I'm going to test eating a donut. Or I'm going to test eating, you know, pounds of sugar. And then we're going to mm -hmm. see what my CGM says. Mm -hmm. And because they are low-carb, they will respond worse to the carbohydrates. So you actually see these massive spikes on them. And then of course their argument is, look how horrible this glucose is. And you know, this is, look what this does to your blood glucose markers. I'm like, well, you know, that's actually a really awful response because we actually do know that we test people for diabetes by giving them about 75 grams of sugar and then seeing how they respond, right? And we know what that number is that if you're healthy and they're way above that, right? <laughs> You know, they're 20, 30 points above what's healthy. And I'm like, well, look, all we know is now we know is that your diet is creating you to be a poor glucose responder. Of course, if you just eat meat, you won't have that. But when you do, and so it should be the goal, in my opinion, to make sure that because you, you know, you want to have a diet that has variety. I mean, 
I'm all for, if you want to eat an all meat or all fat diet and that makes you feel good and you're happy, then more power to you. You know, I mean, do it, do you. And and if that feels good, then do it. But I think for most individuals, they do want to have a more diverse diet. I think we're designed to have a more diverse diet. I think it tastes better to have a more diverse diet. And so I think that should be part of the goal is to try to get to that place where you can have a variety of different foods and still feel good. And, but also know when, you know, that you should adjust yourself based on if you've had a really crap night of sleep, you know, maybe you don't put a lot more on your plate that day. So, you know, you, we have to learn to kind of adjust ourselves. And I think we're, we're so predisposed to saying, well, I don't feel good. What kind of supplement can I add to fix myself or whatnot? When I'm like, maybe it's not, you don't need to add anything. <laughs> maybe we can just look at what's happened in your life the last few weeks and your body's just saying, I've had enough. And maybe you just need to just take a step back and, and rest for a few days and then you'll be fine. Yeah. No, it makes sense. We just all want the quick fix, of course. Totally. Yep. I'm with you. I, you know, I'm, with, I'm totally with you right there. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah. That was so good, Kate. Thanks so much for, uh, for coming on. Uh, I don't know if you've got a glycine supplement that you recommend. Maybe send me the link. I can put it in the show notes. Uh, I will just use like bulk supplements. Um, yeah, okay, cool. Yeah. Super cheap. Yeah. Wait. Okay, cool. Awesome. Well, thanks so much, Kate. And uh, I... Well, Look forward to having you back on again soon. Sounds good. Talk later. 